Just a quick reminder that these episodes are all backlogged, so we're probably six months away from uh, from any coronavirus talk. So you'll get a, a nice coronavirus-free um, podcast today. And uh, just so you don't freak out when you listen to it saying, why are they not uh, mentioning mentioning this at all? It's uh, it's because this has been recorded for quite a while now. On with the show. Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. The If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. Uh, I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, joined by Carla Jo Helms. Hi, guys. And today we'll be talking with Louis Rosenberg of Unanimous, I'm going to, I'm going to pull a full. Unanimous on AI. This. I Unanimous love Unanimous AI, yes. About the role of AI in marketing. That's the, the new non-AI test. If you can't pronounce unanimous, then you're not an AI. Uh, <laughs> so this is uh, Dr. Lewis Rosenberg. He's the founder and CEO of Unanimous AI, an artificial intelligence company that amplifies the intelligence of human groups using algorithms modeled after swarms in nature. So we spoke on AI here before, but never on this particular brand, this swarm concept of, of AI. Uh, Lewis is uh, previously the founder and CEO of the virtual reality company Immersion Corp. He's also was also the founder and CEO of the augmented reality company Outland Research, just kind of tearing your way through the exciting technology landscape, it seems like and the founder and CEO of the 3D digitizing company, uh, Microscribe 3D, and uh, his doctoral work at Stanford University, I can't even pronounce Stanford today, Stanford University resulted in the first immersive augmented reality systems built for the U.S. Air Force in 1992. Lewis, uh, or Dr. Uh, Rosenberg, uh, thanks for coming on today. Really excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So the topic today is the role of AI in marketing. Um, this, this swarm concept seems, I'm no AI expert, but I've heard a lot of AI terms. I'd never heard of, uh, of swarm before meeting you. Is this something unique to you guys and what you do there? So uh, we, we really founded the concept about five years ago, uh, but it is, has uh, taken on a lot of steam and, uh, um, has been uh, there's been a lot of research that's gone on recently at major universities. Uh, there have been papers that have come out recently from from Stanford and MIT and Oxford, and so it is. Uh, there's really a lot of activity in the space right now. But the the core concept and really the, the motivation is that uh, it's a it's a different approach to AI because most AI companies and most AI technologies are aimed at replacing people with algorithms and big data. And, uh, and there's a lot of power that, that you can get out of replacing people with algorithms and data, but also a lot of problems. And for a lot of fields, that is um, a, actually a really bad approach. They're basically trying to create an artificial human brain, it seems like, right? Uh, well, in, right now, most AI is really about using algorithms to find patterns in, in big sets of Right, right. And it's, and it's really about taking people out of the loop and replacing it with, um, with these algorithms that are finding patterns. There's really powerful things that, that AI can do, uh, but it is removing people 
from the process. It's removing people from the loop. And it's people created the process. So it would make sense that you would have people oversight of the process, well, right? There's, there's, so it's, it definitely makes sense to have people having oversight, but, but in, you think about in the field of marketing, right? The field of marketing is all about people, uh, whether you're doing, uh, whether you're creating marketing content or you're planning a marketing strategy, it's all about people. And um, in the past, you were relying on the human knowledge, wisdom, intuition of the marketing team, as well as the usually members of the general public that you're collecting information from. You're, right. you're running a focus group, you're, uh, you're running a, a large scale survey, you're conducting interviews. And so, the, the world of marketing has really been focused on people, on marketing experts who are people, understanding customers who are people. In the world of AI, the big push has been get rid of all the people and instead focus on these big sets of data sitting in a database somewhere and run machine learning algorithms on it to find patterns in the data. And that's useful, but it's actually not nearly as effective as, as a lot of people think. It seems uh, like it's kind of like calculators. I mean, when calculators came along, you had people that were called calculators because they would <laughs> run the calculations. And they said, you know what? Humans could do this with their slide rules and very large sheets of paper for massive long division maybe. Um, probably not how it was done, but, uh, but the calculator could just do it much faster. Is right. AI similar to that in that you're taking some of these things that, yes, humans can kind of wrap their heads around these large sets of numbers and crunching all this, uh, you know, all this marketing data for, for you know, figuring out th what's going on and say, well, just let the computer do all this instead of having marketers have 50 spreadsheets open and, and trying to be Excel experts. So it's, I mean, it's even in some sense even worse than that because the, uh, in the past, if you had marketing experts who were looking at Excel spreadsheets, they would they would have intuition about the data. Right. That. But yeah. now the data is you know sitting in a database, is huge huge amounts of data. A person couldn't possibly understand it. And then you have these AI algorithms. They're finding patterns that that it can't really explain. And so, we but are they? Yeah, are they really interpreting it? Right. And, and mm -hmm. you, you very often refer you know, people. You hear people talk about AI being a black box, meaning it's it's processing this huge amount of data. It's finding patterns. It's giving you information, but it's not telling you why or how it came to those conclusions. And so, some of the, those conclusions can be correct, but some can be wildly inaccurate. Or some could be. Kind of correct, but based on a false premise or based on causality and Which makes it correlation and other weird <laughs> things that make it technically correct for some reasons, but then it's not going to hold up in application or right. And, and there's and there's and, I, and you know, to be fair, there's a lot of applications where AI, that form of AI, machine learning of big data, works great. It, I, mean, I agree. It works great in things like forecasting the weather, right? Because there's huge amounts of data. It's finding patterns in that data. And the, the way the weather works today is the same the weather worked yesterday, is the same the weather worked a year ago. And so it, the data is reliable, right? In the world of-, uh, of But the weathermen aren't necessarily always reliable. They're a lot better than they were 20 years ago, though. <laughs> now they say true. it's going to rain at 3 o'clock today, and it rains at like 2.58, and you get upset. It's true. Yeah. I do appreciate those AI um, you know, algorithms or models when they are predicting hurricanes and where they're going to go. I'm in a hurricane. 
infested area. So yeah. I will say it is better than it used to be, for yeah. sure. I mean, and, and there's, there's a lot of things like that where an AI can make predictions because the data is very objective and it doesn't change over time. In the world of marketing, the data that AIs or AI systems are using is data about people. It's data that's supposed to represent mm. the sentiment of people. It's supposed to represent the tendencies of people. It's supposed to represent how they're feeling. And, and so if you're launching a new product or you're launching a new advertising campaign and, and you're relying on, uh, on AI intelligence that has processed big data, if, if the data that it's processing is not up to date or is not an accurate reflection of the exact types of people that you're targeting, it will give you insights that are actually completely wrong. And, and the truth is that it's very rare for data to be up to date and be targeting the right types of people. And in fact, it's very, very difficult to reduce people to sets of data Right. Especially for marketing, when there's a lot of emotion involved, there's a it's lot emotion. of other stuff. It's all emotion, it's right? Yeah. It's, it is. And so, the the um, like the dirty secret in the world of AI is that while the algorithms are really powerful, the Ooh, data, I love dirty secrets. The data is really bad, and the data is the worst <laughs> when it, the data is the worst when it comes to topics that involve people. So you've got a powerful computer with really crappy software or operating system on it, kind of, you're saying like yeah, the data is no, bad. Yeah, it's yeah. God, this is up your alley, Sky. The algorithms are great. I mean, AI has made a lot of leaps and bounds in, in uh, machine learning. But the data is bad. But the data, when it comes to things that involve people, the data gets out of date really, really quickly because people change. Every day yeah. people change. Right. And the... Um, and the data is not really a good representation of how people think and feel. The type of data that they're looking at is they're looking at basically the breadcrumbs that people have left when they've searched the internet and right. assume that that, you know, they're trying to say that that represents the people, but it really doesn't. And so, um, and so in the world of AI, you have this, this problem. And, and so getting back to your original question, which is, well, what is Swarm AI? Yeah, what is Swarm AI? Now we know what it's not. Yeah. So Swarm AI is saying, is, is saying, while most AI technologies are out there replacing people with algorithms, Swarm AI is, is a technique that, that connects people together with AI algorithms to turn them into a super intelligence. And so it, it is, instead of using big data, what, it, what a Swarm AI is, is it's connect, it's connect, connect a group of people. Uh, it could, and those people can be logged in from anywhere around the world. Are uh, you creating the Borg from Star Trek? Is this basically, <laughs> this is that version? You're like, no, no, it's not one big computer that controls that, right. that, that so, so it's, everything. It's the Borg where it's yeah. just going to connect us all to get a better decision and take over that way. So it's, I mean, it's a really interesting question, right? Because in, in the world of science fiction, people have, uh, have referred to this idea of connecting people together as a hive mind, uh, they've, they've referred to it uh, in, you know, as this scary thing like, like the board. And, and that was actually my perspective as well. When I first started researching this space you know, six, seven years ago, I said, you know, there's a lot of potential to connect groups of people together to make them smarter. But, you know, my, science, you know, my experience from science fiction was, well, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's bad things about that. Does science fiction ever like, hey, these people found this thing and it was awesome and everybody lived happily <laughs> ever <right>. after? <laughs> That's right. So, you have to always think about it that way. But so what, what I do is I say, well, let's look at... Um, Let's look to nature, and that's really the inspiration for Swarm AI. And if you look to nature, you find that uh, 
that in the natural world, this same problem has come up over hundreds of millions of years in any social species. And so there are social species where you have lots and lots of different organisms. And, um, and we're talking about things like flocks of birds, schools of fish, swarms of bees, and herds of lions. And, and the, these organisms. Prides uh, of lions, there you go. They, they're, out there, they're out there in the world and they're each collecting information about the world. They, they have, if you have a, a school of fish, each one of those fish has a different perspective on the world. And uh, it, it has, you know, it's, it's in a different location. It has, has had slightly different experiences. And, and the school of fish now needs to make a decision based on the information that's been collected from these hundreds or thousands of different fish. And, and if you look at a school of fish navigating the ocean, it's, it's thinking as a super intelligence. It's making decisions, navigating the world, deciding where to go to find food, where to go to get away from predators. And it's doing that by combining the input from these thousands of other fish. And it does it in a way that's amazingly efficient and in a way that allows the fish to make decisions that are, that are an order of magnitude smarter than the individuals could do on their own. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't know if you're aware of it, but there's a the picture behind you is the fish, and I'm sure that's related <laughs> to the swarm thing. I remember growing up seeing birds swarming outside <laughs> and not knowing what it's called. There's a word for that. I can't remember it now, but it's it's beautiful when you get these <clears throat> large masses of birds swirling around. It's like a, it's like nature's screensaver. You could just sit there and watch it all day. And, and they are they're um, they're thinking together as a super intelligence. And uh, the actually the most interesting is actually honeybees. And honeybees is actually the closest to marketing. So in the world of honeybees, uh, they um, they have a you know a large colony with tens of thousands of bees, and every year they outgrow their hive and they need to find a new home. And so they, they literally have to go shopping. <laughs> they have to go shopping for a new home. And so, yeah. uh, and, they, and it's a life or death decision for them to find the best possible home to move into. Total and, survival. And a potential home is like a hole in a log or the hole in the side of a building, or it could be uh, like a, a crawl space in your attic, which happened, happened to me. Uh, but these, what the bees do is they send out hundreds of scout bees that go out and search the world for potential sites and actually search 30 square miles. So these hundreds of scout bees are basically home shopping. You kept the bees in your attic, right? I mean, that's a swarm in your house. It seems like you're not allowed to get rid of that. Yeah, no, actually they, they, they uh, and they free honey, come on. The, so, so these bees are out there and they're, they're shopping for homes and they're looking at the, and they are, um, they're looking at all different types of sites and then they bring that information back to the colony and then and and then now they have a really difficult problem they need to they need to pick the best possible site to move into now, now you might think that's easy but it turns out that it's actually really hard because honeybees are really discriminating shoppers they need to find a a new home that's large enough to store the honey they need for the winter, that's ventilated well enough to stay cool enough for the summer, that's insulated well enough to stay warm in the winter, that is near a good source of water, that's near a good source of pollen. They're super picky. And, and so it, is, it turns out it is a complex multivariable problem. It would be if you were a human and you had all the data, it'd be really hard for you to pick the best possible site. But biologists have found that honeybees uh, by coming together and forming a swarm, can find the best possible site over 80% of the time. 
They make the best decision. And they do that in, in this remarkable way. They do it um, by, by coming together and vibrating their bodies. And hmm. biologists call it a waggle dance because to us humans- so That's they, how they, they act smart or is that how they communicate? That's how they <laughs> seem to communicate, <laughs> right? So what happens is they, they, they come together, um, they vibrate their bodies, it's called a waggle dance because it looks like they're dancing, but they're generating signals that represent their support, their sentiment. That's how they're passing on the information. Right. They're, so they're, it isn't like if I start waggling, I'll be smarter. Right. No. So they start waggling, okay. and that's how they—that's how they indicate their sentiment. It's—it's mm-hmm. like—it's like their form of a. So of if a, they're really, a really gotta be on something, <laughs> then they're gonna waggle more. Right. So they—they they waggle at that, which represents their support for the. Different options, and it becomes this multi multi directional negotiation because there might be ten different sites that they're that they're trying to decide, yeah. and some are vibrating in support of some, and some are vibrating in support of others, and they're pushing and pulling, and they converge on one solution that is the solution that they can best agree upon, and the majority agree on. Right. Well, and you know and what I you know what I position this with. This is like if I had to compare it with something that marketers would be familiar with you know, in their mind, it would be like a very intelligent, robust, um, focus group on steroids. Right. It seems right. Yeah, like a Where massive focus group. you have a very targeted group, audience, right? Because right. they're targeted. They're all similar in some way. And you're going to get more or less a really correct majority response for that group. That's what it, like, it right. seems like. And it, constant and it's feedback, it's feedback, feedback for data. Right. You're exactly right. So there's feedback. So the, the interesting thing is that it is the group converges not on the most popular answer, but the answer that they can best agree upon. So it's yeah, the majority will agree. Yes. It's, so sometimes you could have. A, what do you mean? What's the difference between popular and say? Right. If, you, if they just took a vote, they might uh, they might decide right off the bat, hey, the, the one that has the most votes is this site over here. Because we got would, the best kitchen. Right. We all and like that, that might be the most popular. But but the thing is, there's a lot of different options. And right. so the, the most popular might only have 30% of the vote, right? They might have 30% of the vote. There might be another that has 20, another has 10. And so, uh, and there's like... But that's not really majority response, right? Majority right. response has to be above... Right, but 50. if you have a lot of options, it's, it's you know, you might never get a majority. So you're so saying with the Bs, it's not one vote, one B. It's like not they, one vote, one B. If they waggle harder, they can get more votes, basically. So it, well, and, and they switch. And so they start, and so they, hmm. they, they might be pulling for one option and then switch to another option. And, and they're ultimately converging on the solution that is the best mix of all of their insights. Hmm. And, and again, biologists have shown that they find the best possible site over 80% of the time. And when they don't pick the best site, they picked like the second best site. And so it's and they a, kill the bee who, who came back with that information. <laughs> like, the you're, you're out of the system and eventually you were, the, you were the biggest waggler. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're and so excited about this site. You're out. <laughs> and so it's this very, very efficient way of finding, really harnessing the knowledge and wisdom and insight and intuition and instincts of a group to converge on the best combination of their sentiments. Okay, 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 okay. I love this. So give us a, I really want to know a real life story, okay. like a real life marketing so, story. Right. So, um, so getting back to Swarm AI, well, you know, five years ago when we started working in this space, we said, well, hey, if this works for birds and bees and fish, maybe it works for people. 
And, um, and so we started developing a, a software uh, called Swarm AI that allows groups of people, they could be anywhere in the world, to log in and they connect together and they can answer questions in real time, just like, just like honeybees can. Now, humans can't waggle dance like bees. And so we have this unique interface where they, they use their mouse to pull on the swarm, but it looks to them almost like a, like a swarm and they're, they're pushing and pulling and they can converge on solutions. And, um, and so what we found is that groups of people can converge on, on optimal combinations of their insights that are much more accurate than they would, than they would land on if they took a vote or if they took a survey, or if they took a focus group. And so I'll give you some examples. And one of the things that we've done, because, uh, because the process is actually so amazing, is that we've, we've offered journalists to just give us challenges, right? And say, okay, like you wanna see how it works, like give us a challenge. And so I have a few examples. One, one of the ones that uh, became uh, very well known is that um, Newsweek challenged us to, uh, to predict the Kentucky Derby. Okay. This, Sports this, betting. Now you're getting, now you're going to get funding. <laughs> if this really works, let's see a predicted Kentucky Derby. Now I should say that we as a, as a company, Unanimous AI, we didn't know, we don't know anything about horse racing. We don't know anything about sports. What we know is that we know how to amplify the intelligence of human groups. And so what we did was we, uh, we invited 20 horse racing enthusiasts to come into our system. And these are, you know, not super experts, just people who express that they are in, um, knowledgeable about horse racing and we came in and we had them work together as a swarm to predict and we were the challenge was not just to predict the winner but to say can we predict first place second place third place fourth place now in, in horse racing those four together is called the superfecta and it's uh, it's actually the, the most challenging prediction in, right. in horse racing if you get all those uh, you can make obscene it, money it, on so, so that, so that? Year that we did this, this was a couple years ago it was 540 to 1 odds and so newsweek challenges to do this and we uh, we predicted um so we brought the swarm together and they predicted uh first place second place third place fourth place um and uh, and then we gave the predictions to the reporter who actually went to the kentucky derby and and she tweeted out uh she, she actually placed a bet on the superfecta and tweeted out her ticket uh, which put lots of pressure on us and um, and then, as you can imagine, it, it turned out that this group if it bombed, were, that could be well, bad. We just we honestly we just hoped that it was you know right. show that there was some intelligence. Turned out this group of people predicted it perfectly. They predicted the superfecta, and anybody who all, wait all four. You guys all got four. all four. All You're four kidding. Right How much so she retired because she's rich. And so, <laughs> and so anybody who placed a a twenty dollar bet. Uh, would have won eleven thousand um, dollars. I placed a twenty dollars bet and won eleven thousand dollars. The reporter placed a bet, but a bunch of her readers who read her article placed bets. One of her readers won fifty thousand uh, dollars with that prediction. Now that's that's a crazy story. What's Holy moly! Now, Wait, why are you still doing this? Shouldn't you just, yeah. guys just be a professional gambling company? Yeah. <laughs> like, can you repeat that? I I need to run a quick experiment on this weekend's football. Uh. Yeah, no. We, so we actually do, we actually do football predictions every week. We do baseball predictions. We do so we do we do a lot in sports forecasting. We started out doing sports forecasting because it's a great way to show that it works and get attention. But, and funding. Do you don't need funding. Around around sales forecasting, market forecasting, which we can talk about in, in a second. What percentage are you right? Uh, so, in um, we we've we just recently actually just recently published a study around uh, sports forecasting. We, we, it was a, we did it with a partnership with Oxford University, and yeah. so because it was Oxford, they wanted us to predict um, 
soccer, English Premier League soccer, which is actually the most popular sport to bet on in the world. And, um, and so what we did was we had a group of, of just regular sports fans come together into the system, and we asked them to predict 50 games, which was uh, 10 games a week for five weeks, uh, consecutive weeks. And, uh, and what, we what we found was that the individuals by themselves were 55% accurate in predicting the games. And, and that doesn't sound great, 55, but in, in well, soccer, there's three hours. More right than wrong, right? Well, well there's, in soccer, it could be a win-loser tie. And so a lot of games end in a tie. And so 55% is actually okay. Um, so when they were right, predicted together as individuals, they were 55% accurate. When, when they worked together as a swarm intelligence, they jumped all the way up to 72% accurate. They had a 31% increase in accuracy. That's like the world's best professional gambler. I'm right. going to so, so, start wait, betting now. That's if this it. is just... anything like regular <laughs> AI, you reward the AI when it gets a good outcome. Uh -huh. um, are you at all worried that you're basically creating an AI that's a gambling addict? <laughs> like, it's so, going to get rewarded like, good job. We made money on this. By the way, why are we doing more research? We have a gambling addict AI that gets it right. <laughs> right. So it's, I mean, the interesting thing is that the, uh, you know, the, the way the technology works is it's a combination of, of real people and AI. And so the people, so that the, the, the people who participate, right, these are, we have, you know, when we do these uh, sports predictions, and, and we put it on our blog every week. We have we predict football and baseball. But what we have is a group of sports fans who come together into the system, and then they predict together, connected by, by these AI algorithms modeled after honeybees and schools of fish, and they converge on these solutions that are really, really accurate. So and, the people and the, are your bees. They're bringing people, their information people, in. Right. It isn't people like you have a data set, an so Excel spreadsheet, or something exactly, like that. So that's exactly right. The people are the bees who are out there in the world collecting information. They, they have their knowledge and wisdom and intuition about the sports teams, or they have their knowledge or wisdom and intuition about uh, the horses. But in the world of marketing, we can do the same exact thing by taking groups of people who have knowledge and wisdom and intuition about products, services, advertising messages. And so we do a lot of that for, for, uh, for companies, where we can, take, we can basically take a group of people from the general public have them come together as a swarm and generate optimized insights about product services markets. Uh, we, we actually just published a study that we did um, looking at forecasting the success of products. And we did this with, uh, with a media company called uh, uh, Bustle Media. Bustle Media is actually, their, I think, yeah. they're, they're the largest uh, marketer to millennial women, actually yeah. in the world. And, uh, and so they wanted to predict the, um, they wanted to see if they could use a swarm to predict the sales of women's sweaters. And so we said, okay, that sounds like a great project. And so we had a group of millennial women come into the platform. And again, these people can be, they can be anywhere in the world. So, so Bustle just invited in uh, people who were their readers who came into the swarm platform. Uh, it was small groups, just 15 people at a time. So a group of 15 millennial women came into the platform and we asked and we showed them a set of sweaters and we said, predict which of these sweaters is going to sell the most this holiday season. We did this back in December. And, um, and we did that with a couple of, a few swarms of people and, um, and we're able to generate these optimized predictions. Now to compare, we also, 
uh, had a, tr a traditional survey done to see, well, could you just survey, you know, a group of people to get, uh, to get insights? And the thing is, a survey will tell you this, you know, the most popular answer, whereas a swarm will tell you the answer that is the best possible combination of their knowledge, wisdom, uh, opinions, insights. And, and so what, what, the, what the results found was that the swarm, the sweater that the, sweater that the swarm predicted would sell the best sold 24% more units than, the, than the, uh, the sweater that the survey predicted. Interesting. And, um, and we actually just, we, we just published an academic paper with Bustle because it, it had this very strong statistically significant result, uh, which was a you know, great way to show that you could take a swarm of people and make these very accurate predictions. A lot of the companies that we work with, you know, they, they keep their, the work we do secret so we can't publish papers about it. But, right. Uh, they're like, this they really they works. We don't want you to publish it. Right. We, did, we did another one that was published. Uh, this was published as a case study with the Miami Heat. Uh, so the Miami Heat uh, basketball team, um, they, they wanted to optimize the marketing for their season ticket, season ticket holders. So they, they have very special marketing that they do to their season ticket holders. They wanted to understand, you know, how can they optimize those messages? And so they invited in groups of people who were season ticket holders uh, for the Miami Heat. They, they came into the platform and they asked them a series of questions about um, which types, which parts of the, of, the, uh, of the benefits that season ticket holders get, uh, did they like the most and which didn't. And so it allowed them to optimize the, um, how they market to season ticket holders. We, we have another customer that is uh, one of the largest banks in the world and they, um, they wanted to optimize uh, how they market their credit cards. And so they wanted to bring uh, people into the platform and, uh, and understand what was the best marketing messages for these credit cards that would resonate the best with their customers. And so they were able to bring in swarms of people who were basically their cardholders and generate insights. Now, the cool thing is that you could also then take people who are not their cardholders, people who are not customers, but prospects. And you can also you know, generate, you know, what's the optimal way to appeal to those people? And so the, the really interesting thing here is that, you know, in, in all these cases, you're trying to find, you're really trying to understand the sentiment of a population of customers. You're trying to find, you know, what are they going to resonate with the most? Traditional AI would look at some big data set and try to extract that from, you know, people's behaviors, you know, uh, in the past, what we do is we say, forget about that data. Let's just connect groups of people together. Let's actually use AI on the actual people. So we're really getting at their true knowledge and wisdom and insight and intuition, their true feelings. And, um, and so the data is never out of date, whereas big data is always out of date. And we, when we talk to some customers who are launching new products, it's always really interesting. So when they use big data, the data that they have is from last year's product. You know, that's a really, really choice <laughs> statement right there. Like big data is always out of date. Right. It's out of date. That's really very precarious. Yeah. Right? Now it seems what you're learning to do is when you look at big data from last year's, you know, last holiday season, what your AI is going to tell you how you would have marketed that product the best last year. Right? So, so it's predicting the past instead of predicting the future, basically. Yeah. You're predicting the past. You're always out of date, and you don't have the context. And and we you know we also do a lot of uh, predictions for uh, financial forecasting. And we we actually just published a study with MIT 
where we looked at um, can groups of financial analysts come together as a swarm and predict financial indicators. And so the paper that we just published um, looked at groups of financial analysts to see could they predict the S&P 500, the price of gold, and the price of oil. And, um, and we had them predict uh, the direction of motion of these indicators every week over 19 weeks. And what we found was that when, uh, when the analysts worked on their own, um, they were, you know, they had, they had a certain level of accuracy. When they worked together as a swarm, they were 36% more accurate in predicting the direction of motion of these indicators. Um, and it's because they, we, were, uh, we were tapping into their, you know, their, their different perspectives. They were like the scout bees out there in the world. They all, you know, they all have different views about the market. They all have different perspectives. They have different specialties. They have different, um, they, they've, they're looking at different information. And when you combine them together as a swarm, they become much, much more accurate. I feel like the movie 12 Angry Men, if that had this swarm AI <laughs> Such a classic. technology working, you would, it would have been resolved in like five minutes and they would have right. had well, a proper that, outcome. So, so it's a great point. And, and you know, 12 Angry Men, which is you know, a jury, is, is also very similar to a focus group, right? And so but that's only market- 12. How many bees do you need in your model to have a proper swarm? Like right. is, is 12 not enough data input? So it's a, it, it depends on um, what kind of question we're asking and who the population is. If it's members of the general public, like we're predicting you know, sales of sweaters or-, or You're gonna have to have a large, more bees. Yeah, but, it, it, but a typical swarm is, is you know, 30 to 60 people. So it's not that many people compared to say a survey where you'd want thousands of people. So 30 to 60 people, uh, we can, they can come together and get very, very accurate results. Now, is that the hardest that part of this is actually getting the, the, the beads together, the people together? So it, it is, um, it is and it, and it isn't, meaning, you know, unlike a focus group where people have to get together in the same room and they have to be a swarm, they could be located anywhere. And so all people need is an, uh, uh, basically a link. Right? We send out an email or we send out... Uh, they can get in at any time and... And they can come into the swarm, and, and the whole process takes about 20 minutes. So it's actually much shorter than, say, a photo. So, so we can get 50 people in. They come in for 20 minutes. Uh, we can use, uh, you know, our customers use standard panel providers that they would use for running surveys or running focus groups, but um, but they don't. They need a much fewer numbers of people, so they can do it with you know, 30, 40, 50 people. They come in. They get. They answer these questions. But usually, they can answer about 20 questions in about 20 minutes, and then they're done. So you're taking jobs away from focus group people is what I'm hearing. That's so the thing about focus groups is, <laughs> I, I mean. I don't think anybody likes them. Even the people in the focus that's group the don't like, like them. All, nobody. All the companies that we talk to, they, like nobody has anything good to say about a focus group. Most of the mark, you know, mark, most of the CMOs who we talk to, like they will say, they will tell us, yeah, we don't trust focus groups, but my boss expects me to do one. So we do. It's the tool we have also. It's tool. That's what we got. And here's the thing about a focus group. They are considered unreliable. That is true. It's just like the 12 Angry Men. The thing about a focus group is it is very, very subjective, and it's completely determined by whether or not there's a few strong personalities in the room. One strong personality can can sway the entire focus group. Who are the unemployed strong personalities That's in this That's kind of like group? the popular vote, yeah. too. Right. You know, one strong right. personality. Right. It's one strong personality. And the thing about a swarm is that everybody's equal, 
everybody's anonymous and nobody can have a, you know, can, can act like a, you know, a strong personality. They all have the exact same influence. And Wait, so, now earlier we said that there was a different weight to different. Right. So they can, they can express though. their, they, they each can express their sentiment at different levels of strength, but, but, the shy person can act just as strong as the bully, right? Um, they both, like, neither neither has a personality benefit, right? So they only get one vote, but they can pull more people to them with their... They actually don't just get one vote. So they, the way it works is, um, and, uh, and people who go to our website can actually see videos of what it looks like, um, but it... It, each each person, it, it, a lot of people tell us it almost looks like a Ouija board to them because what happens? <laughs> it looks like a this glass uh, pointer, and uh, each person has a little magnet that they control with their mouse, and they pull on the pointer, and so you could have fifty people all pulling in different directions, and they're they're varying how they pull. The closer their magnet gets, the stronger they pull, and so it's this tug of war. They're pushing and pulling, and they're adjusting, and the AI algorithms are watching how they behave, and so the AI algorithms are seeing you know who is pulling aggressively who you know who conceded very quickly and it's it's adjusting the influence that each person has to find the path to the wait, does the ai say this person was a pushover we're not going to wait give them any any weight anymore they they too easily jump on someone else's ship so the ai is looking to see who has strong conviction and, and who doesn't and 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 the truth is Sometimes you might ask a question. You might say, you know, uh, you know, we uh, we did a project for a major uh, TV uh, studio where they they wanted to have swarms of people look at the trailers for new pilot TV shows and predict which were going to be successful this uh, in the new season. And and the truth is, you know, and, and the way it happened, you know, these people would log in and then the TV pilot would pop up on their screen. They'd watch the pilot and then they would answer questions. And, and the truth is, some people might have a strong feeling about a particular pilot. Some people might be ambivalent about a particular pilot. They just don't. They just don't have a strong feeling. And and the the AI is going to determine that. So it's going to determine you know who are the people who have a strong feeling for certain options. Who are the people who have a strong feeling against certain options? Who are the people who really would be happy with two of the potential pilots, but really didn't like the other two? And so it's this really complex landscape of sentiment. But the AI is able to find what is the path to the to the particular solution that would have you know which is the tv pilot that would make the most people the happiest Lewis, and, i'm going to be very suspicious if we start seeing a lot of uh tv shows and movies that are basically glorifying how safe ai is it's basically <laughs> the ai saying like hey start showing these humans that we're not dangerous that's right that's no, right you got nothing to worry about relax eat this don't worry about it that's right no it's so watch um, out for that uh, it, it, when, it, when it comes to AI safety, and, and that's a whole different topic, the, the one thing that's really interesting about this approach is that it's, it's, it's keeping people, it's keeping the actual people's uh, values, emotions, sentiment, interests as part of the process. It's not... Yeah, you're keeping them in the equation, aren't you? in the equation. Right. Uh, whereas a traditional AI that's just looking at big data, you know, Today's AI is not, you know, an evil terminator, but it, but it is, you know, it is looking at data that can be uh, out of date or incorrect or filled with bias. And so the biggest, the biggest danger in current AI is when it's looking at big data and it's making these oversimplified representations of people, it, it turns people into caricatures and it amplifies bias 
rather than right. actually getting at the real sentiment. That but people- with the swarm AI, if you got a bunch of uh, dictators from around the world and had them had them uh, come in and <laughs> into your swarm AI group, you might get then that same kind of bias. Right. You so, get a bad swarm result, right? If you get right. just but a bunch of people audience, with- dictators, But if, you, right? if you're trying to market to dictators, yeah. uh, right? So it's, it's about- That works, yeah. Invite, you would invite into the swarm the people who, who are, you know, the, uh, the appropriate- group, the demographic. And so uh, like, like the, what Bustle did is they invited in millennial women. Um, what, you know, when we did uh, uh, the project for, uh, we did, actually here's another example. We did a project for a large fast food company where they wanted to, um, they wanted to evaluate a TV ad before they, before they launched it. So Ew. it is the Borg. You're absorbing the thing you want to conquer. And then that right. tells you how to conquer it. You go out and do it. Right. <laughs> and so, and, and, and so in this case, they, um, they would. They wanted to get people who who frequented that fast food restaurant to come into the swarm. And then and again, you can think of it. You, you know, you can think of it like they're they're create they're taking in their customers, people who go to their restaurant. They're turning them into this artificial expert that they can then ask questions to. And those those answers are going to be much more accurate than if they had taken a survey or if they ran a focus group or if they ran interviews. It's going, to, it's going to give them these optimized insights about you know, how could they adjust their menu to- it's a very high level of really listening to right. your yeah, customers and your prospects, really. We had, a, uh, we had a guest on the show a while back, episode 54 with uh, Tom O'Malley. And their company um, does, does a customer, um, customer advisory board type of a process is what they set up. And it, it occurs to me that- he said one of the large, the biggest obstacles they had was the moderation of, of this group. Um, Mm -hmm. he said, it's kind of like doing a focus group. It's kind of like doing customer surveys, but you're getting people that are, you know, maybe users of your product or that are in the space, but they're higher level people. So you need less of them than getting a thousand people on a customer marketing survey or something. It seems that if you combine this customer advisory board, which for them is kind of a living thing, they're constantly adding people and removing people with your, um, with your swarm, swarm AI, you can have the smaller amount of people inputting and be be very powerful. So it's absolutely a good point. And there are various groups that have, you know, one of their assets is they have, these groups of people who, who either are customers or are experts and you can, you can have them come together. We actually did a project for, uh, for the X prize foundation like that. So the X prize foundation, you know, they, they give out the X prize. They, they, they have what they call um, their visioneers, which is like their advisory board, these people. And, and they try to decide every year, you know, what is the best type of prize to give out for, um, for some new humanitarian cause. And so they brought their their visioneers into into a swarm, and they were able to to converge on these optimized predictions of you know here's here's how here's the you know the next X prize that we should do. But you can imagine um, the same thing for a, a group of you know expert customers or groups of enthusiasts or um, or groups of analysts. You know you could we did a project uh, actually um, f- with WPP the the big uh, the huge media conglomerate, where they um, they wanted to make forecasts about what they called um, the future of retail, and they were going to write this big report about the future of retail. And so what they did was they brought together their experts from all around their company 
uh, who are really knowledgeable about you know about re the retail market, and they came together and they made this uh, this swarm, and they made these forecasts about how you know how retail will evolve in the in the next few years by combining those those insights. So if you have a group of experts or you have access to a group of customers, you can basically turn them into a super expert as a swarm and get these really really powerful insights. Interesting. So. You, you, you've mentioned you do these projects for companies. What size of company is this practical for right now? Yeah. And will it eventually turn into something where people can take their customer advisory board of 20 people and mm -hmm. just kind of dump a survey from them into it and, and get, you know, get the sausage out the other side? Right. So, um, you know, when we, when we first started, we were working mostly with Fortune 500 companies, very large companies, but in recent years, we've been working with- And racetracks. And racetracks. But those fund themselves, so no worry there. <laughs> uh, but more recently, we've been working with companies of all sizes. We've had, you know, very small companies use the platform. We've had large companies. Uh, they, you know, if they have, you know, if they have, you know, 20, you know, customers or 20, like, they can get, they can get good insights from 20 customers. The, the, the one constraint and the thing that makes it different than a, say a survey is that those 20 people all need to log in at the same time. And so it, it is synchronous. That's some of the magic is that the people are interacting with each other. And so, um, but they could be anywhere. And oh, so you don't dump the data in. It's more like a focus group where they have to be able to bounce off each other a little bit. Right. Um, so they don't, they don't see each other. They don't talk to each other, but they interact as a swarm together. And so they're it's so they're they they're basically all logging in at the same time, and then there's a moderator who again is remote. The moderator can you know types in a question, the question pops up on all their screens at the same time, and then they all pull towards an answer. But they're all pulling again. Like you can imagine it's imagine it's 20 people. They're spread around the world or they're spread around the U.S. and um, the question pops up, and then they're answering almost like a Ouija board uh, using their mouse, and they're converging on an answer and the AI algorithms are watching, watching how they behave. And, uh, and so it's fast and it's, and it's easy. And, and most people who participate say it's fun, the, uh, but it's synchronous, meaning it, it is, um, it's a, there's a little bit more logistics to it than say just putting a survey out there. Interesting. Is this something that can be put, let's say onto a website where at any given time, the visitors on that website, assuming that's your audience or the people that are there, can can be all interacting with something like this? Could it be Absolutely. programmed yeah. in that way? Yeah, so it, it is, uh, it actually, the, when people participate, all they need is a Chrome browser. So it is, or any browser really. So that's all web-based, meaning they can log, people, when people log in, they can log in from anywhere. They log in uh, from, uh, from a web link. It could be embedded in somebody else's website. We've had people who, we actually have had people who have, um, who've wanted to basically have like a chat room on their website, but they instead they wanted to be able to have those people come into a swarm and then have a moderator ask them questions. So right. They could tap into their customers. You that. could have an AI ask them questions and then right. combobulate it. So this is really interesting. We're, we're getting really close to the end here, but is there somewhere, do you guys have something on your site right now where people can go and take place live in something, in something like this? And if not, so, why? Right. So people, so people can go, uh, to our website, which is just unanimous.ai. And there's, you can see videos of how it works and you can see information about it. Um, we also, they could also ask to, to participate in a swarm and, um, and we, we conduct swarms all the time. People can, um, you know, if they just, if they just want to try it, cause it's fun, they can. 
and they can just sign up for um, to be on an email list. We do, you know, we do swarms about you know every every day we have groups of people who are coming together who are just baseball fans and they predict baseball games. That's so cool. Fans predicting football games. Uh, Where so do you see the future of this going? Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways it can go, and we, we continue to be amazed at, at how it works in so many different areas. And so we actually, um, you know, we started out because we were interested in, in forecasting and, and optimized forecasting, and that works really well. Um, but, and then we realized that in market research and, and sales forecasting, it was really powerful. So a, a, most of our customers are actually in the market marketing space, product development, um, but now that the forecasting is getting so accurate, we're now we're doing work with hedge funds uh, who want to predict financial markets. I wanted to ask, right. that's scary. Having right. hedge funds get together and do this seems like... Uh... <laughs> but we, we've even, um, we even see value in doing uh, political forecasting. We're actually doing yeah. what we're doing forecasting. I was right going to say, it's probably going in that direction. Uh, also we, scary though. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, uh, we actually have an ongoing project with Stanford Medical School to look at can we have groups of doctors come together and make more accurate diagnoses. That's and fantastic. Stanford just published a paper where they had groups of radiologists who came into the platform. And these were very small groups, just six radiologists came into the platform to, and, and a chest x-ray would pop up on their screens and they uh, were asked to diagnose the chest x-ray together mm. as opposed to diagnosing it alone. And, and Stanford just published this uh, last year. And, and what we found was that when they worked together as a swarm, they reduced their diagnostic errors by 30%. As Holy cow, that's great. You would think that these radiologists are already extreme experts. Like how much better can they, can they get? But, they, is, but isn't it the skill of science plus an art? Right. There's, there's subjective. It's subjective. There's subjective some, judgment. Yeah, some is objective, some is not. So right. this is like too many cooks in the kitchen doesn't exist when you apply this to it. The more cooks in the kitchen, the better. Um, because I guess it's about you're not you're not taking action, you're you're making decisions. So it's, right. it's all and just extra input into what. Right, they're all seeing those. the world a little differently. They have they're all bringing different input, and so uh, and so we've seen it work. And even uh, it, this also goes to say market research. Um, Boeing and uh, actually Boeing and the U.S. Army used the technology uh, with groups of fighter pilots, which is one of a crazy example. But uh, at, and they they just published a paper about it as well. Um, they you know obviously they care a lot about the design of cockpits and and they're trying to optimize their product. And they normally would run focus groups with pilots. And uh, and um, you know pilots are you know. If you're talking about strong personalities, uh, imagine you have a folks group, a group of five. Totally. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like you have, you know, everybody is a strong voice in the room. Mm -hmm. um, but when they came together in a swarm, they got these insights very, very quickly that were really, really powerful for them. And they published a paper showing that they, they got the, the most accurate insights they could um, when they when they used this process, which made everybody equal and everybody anonymous and they were able to, to get their, their feedback in, a, in an efficient way. Will you eventually be able to create a swarm instead of people that have some expertise in a space? I mean, why not take 20 different AI doctors and have them be the swarm? So you have a swarm of AI intelligence. So it's 
you're saying <laughs> you know like the, you the more intelligent you ha- intelligence you have coming in right if you were to right. run the stanford test and say okay we have all these doctors over here but let's do a control where we take some people off the streets and we have them diagnose the chest x-ray and see how they do against the doctors yeah. obviously the doctors are going to do better they're going to yeah. do better with um with much less numbers than the off the street people are going to do. Yeah. So if you get smarter than doctors, if you get mm-hmm. like a super AI doctor and then you get a swarm of them, would that, would you get an even better results? Yeah. That's a great question. And, and the truth is that, that the answer is yes. And, and in a slightly different way, which is um, we've, you know, we've never done a swarm of, of AIs. Um, now you're taking the humans out, which was kind right, of a good right. part so we, of it. We've never done that, but we have, what we have looked at is, well, what happens if you take a swarm of people and you bring in an AI as well with that swarm? And, and actually we, we've, we've been looking at that with Stanford. So the interesting thing is you know, Stanford also has, they have AIs that can diagnose chest x-rays without people. And, and they're very good. Um, the, the swarm of people, of doctors, is, is actually better. But when we looked at it, we found they were better in different ways, meaning the, um, the AI, the pure AI was good at, was actually really good at, um, at looking at the easier cases. Like it was super accurate on the easier cases, but when it had a case where um, it was unusual, meaning again, the way these AI systems work is they train on big data. So if it sees something that is similar to the data it's seen before, the AI is great. But when it sees something that's a little different, it would be, it would fail. Humans um, actually are really good at uh, interpolating. They're really good at inferring solutions to things they've never seen before. The creativity so, we could kind right. of bring. That's the imagination. That's the right. mental process, right? Were really, in the cases that were really unique, the people were, were way better than the AI. So we, we actually uh, uh, looked at a system where we combined the two, where we had the, the swarm of humans and the AI working together, and they were more accurate that, that solution was the most accurate that we've seen. It was more accurate. Than the so team. now you might have 10 or nine humans in one AI. Right. Eventually yeah. you're going to have nine <laughs> AIs and one human. And the human's just the color but commentator you know, for the group. you have to keep human into it. Because yeah. that, that That's is why part there'll of be it. a token human in there. That's right. And the AI's just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. We hear you. That's right. <laughs> we hear you, human. But that's, that's fascinating. Um, unfortunately, we're running out of time here. Most of the, I mean, anybody listening, um, will recognize that most of the questions we normally ask in these episodes, we, we did not even get close to, but I think we touched <laughs> yeah, on a I lot of great stuff. Yeah, but I think everybody's wheels are turning of how they can use this, you oh, know? It was for a very good reason. This is yes. just, it's so compelling, so, such interesting stuff. Um, you know, the application directly to marketing is very fascinating. One last question, um, one last question for you, Lewis. Or do you prefer Lewis? Or I guess at this point in the podcast, I shouldn't be asking you. (laughs) (laughs) At what point do you think the average marketer out there will have some sort of MarTech type of application where they can, they can run these type of swarm things? I mean, I'm picturing like, I think you mentioned it, a chat bot that allows people coming to the site to participate in a swarm type thing. When is that coming? Two years, three years? Right. I mean, Average marketers are using it right right now. So we have uh, we have you know ranging from large companies to small companies to small consulting firms are um, 
are able to use this swarm technology right now. There's some folks who um, who want to do the do the whole thing themselves, like they just want to get access to the software and do it themselves. There I guess other- that's what I mean. Yeah, do you have a software as a service for fourteen ninety five a month that people sign up for and and put under their WordPress site? So it's uh, it, we do have um, people can subscribe to the to a software platform. Um, it. And they can check that out on our website and see what see what that's like. Some folks would rather just have somebody else just generate the the answers for them. They'd rather not go through the the different steps because the thing like what they would need to it's like it's like running a focus group. Like there's some right. folks who just they just want to hire somebody to do a focus yeah. group. they don't want to do the recruiting themselves. It, it, so we do have you know consulting firms that just they want to do the whole thing themselves and give them access to the software. But there are other folks who just they they just want an answer and and there's now. An, ecosystem of some consultants will just do that for them right. so they're and, saying we didn't we're not going to hire you to do the work ourselves right like, we want you to cook not to tell us how to cook right right and both of those you know all those things are are um we have folks doing it in lots of different ways and so there are there are companies that are um using the software and and generating their own insights there are other companies that just um they have a particular problem uh they want to generate insights and they um and we just we can do it as a service. That's I find me. this fascinating. I want the I want the WordPress plugin for uh, for, for my site. <laughs> I do too. Um, I want the you guys AI are, software as a service. When you're done making a fortune off gambling, you'll get around to that. I'm sure. <laughs> hey, I'm going to your site from now on. Don't you? And hedge funds and everything else. <laughs> I guess the good thing about gambling and sports is you have a large pool of people that can give their input. When you get into other areas, you don't have the people with the expertise necessarily to just constantly be running these. You guys require right. now data. Right, so it's, it's easy to find sports fans, uh, but in, in a lot of consumer markets, it's easy to find, you know, it's easy to find people I'm sure. marketing insights. I mean, it def, you know, sometimes it gets, um, it gets harder. You know, we, we've actually had some customers who want to generate insights about uh, marketing uh, medical products. So mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're trying to market to, um, to doctors. Uh, and, and it gets a little bit harder, but the nice thing is that in a swarm, you don't need that many people. So you can get together a group of you know, 10 doctors to give insights about you know, the name of a new drug, and they, you can get, get those insights. Whereas if you're trying to do a survey of you know, 1,000 doctors, it'd be very, very hard. So Does it uh, find and adjust for bias at all? If you went to a college football game itself, mm-hmm. went into the stadium and collected you know, 100 people or 1,000 people or 10,000 people from the stadium – ostensibly the vast majority of those people are huge fans of their team in the stadium right. they're at. Would, would your, would that throw your swarm off? Is that like asking a bunch of dictators how they should, you know, run a country? Um, right. So and we do a lot of sports forecasting and you're absolutely right that there, there is a fan bias. And so we, you know, because we can get people to connect from anywhere, we go for a, a, you know, a distribution around the country. So we don't have the fan right. bias. Pittsburgh is always going to come out looking better than it actually right. is because there's right. so many fans that are betting. Um, the other part of it is that the way we ask the questions, we, we try to make it really clear to the participants. We're not asking you who you want to win. <laughs> we're asking you who, who you think will win. And so we ask the questions very often to say, you know, what's the probability 
that this team beats that other team. And that, Fans of a team, there's no difference between who they want to win and who they are convinced right. will definitely win. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Every football fan thinks the Jets, you know, if you're a Jets fan, they're going to the Super Bowl this year and they're going to win it. Um, unless, I guess, you're Browns or something like that. They're convinced that they will lose every year no matter what. Um, okay. This has been really fascinating. Um, I, I, I want to thank you for coming on, Lewis. Yeah. Um, Thank Let you. Let me see if people want to find out more about um, Dr. Lewis Rosenberg and uh, Unanimous AI. You can uh, you can check out their website, unanimous.ai, and that's uh, Swarm AI technology for optimizing marketing insights. And then um, what on YouTube? Uh, you've got a TED Talk on YouTube. People can look that up. I'm not going to give out the link here, but it'll be on the show notes. Um, all about Swarm intelligence and this particular topic. Uh, and then your your blog uh, forecasting major major sporting events. Are you yeah. guys giving out the info ahead of time when people join these, or do you not give it out till after? I so, want to join that group if you do as well. Yeah, no. So uh, you can check out our blog, and there's um, we do give out we do uh, put put up forecasts. We put up forecasts for for major sporting events. Um, there we also uh, we also have a service for people who are really serious. We have a service where we, we actually. Uh, they can buy a subscription to sports predictions um, every day. And so there's, there's kind of a, a, a second level beyond the blog where there's sports predictions uh, that we generate. You know, How does that, and I don't mean to get back into the, mm -hmm. back into the podcast as we're winding down at some point, does that skew its own predictions when it comes to betting? If 50% of the people that are betting on a game are <laughs> using your system to bet it's going to skew the betting lines because it isn't like they say, Hey, pick a well, side. A it's it's all equal. That's a lot of people. Right. But as, as more people come around to the proper way to gamble, it ends up skewing the gambling line. So it's, it seems like, I mean, if everybody was using your system, it just gambling wouldn't work anymore. Yeah, no, I assume it ultimately would be an arms race where the, uh, our forecasts will get better and better. And, and the other side, you know, the people who are making, who are setting the lines get better and better. We've actually done some work for people, for, uh, for handicappers as well, uh, looking at, at, at the other side of it. I feel like the, the sports betting books are going to have something in their terms of service. We're like, hey, if you're using this swarm, uh, <laughs> if you're using unanimous AI, you're not allowed to, uh, to bet on our site. What I'm hearing is get in on this right now. Before it becomes, <laughs> before it's right. like if you're a sports better and That's you're right. losing a lot of money, stop using your own decisions. <laughs> so wow. people go to your blog, can they, that's I mean, like in all. It's like gambling the shit out of it with AI. Yeah, in all honesty, if, if there's gamblers <laughs> listening or, or if somebody listening has a, a spouse or a friend that has a gambling problem, <laughs> they can turn it into a gambling solution. There you go. Go to your blog, unanimous.ai slash blog, and we'll have it in the show notes. You're saying you guys have a service where people can pay and sign up for the yeah for for regular daily sports predictions and prevent them from okay this was not planned um, this, <laughs> this I mean this is a plug but it wasn't intended to go down this way um, yeah if you have a problem gambling you could turn your problem into a solution check, <laughs> check that out before they start not making it making it not allowed on these uh, on these platforms. This is such a That's great awesome. podcast, Lewis. Thank you. Oh, yeah, no, thanks. Uh, hell of an inside tip there on who's going to win the next <laughs> Kentucky Derby. Just just uh, sign up for that. Great. Well, find all that on the uh, on the show notes for this episode um, at ifyoumarket.com. Again, we've got Dr. Lewis Rosenberg on of uh, 
unanimous AI, or we had, we're, we're finishing up having. Yeah, uh, share this with a friend, especially if they're if they're a gambler, and um, give us a Stop good review it. on iTunes. <laughs> no, I can't get that out of my head now. And uh, on behalf of Carla Jo Helms and the Ify Market team, and uh, Lewis or Dr. Lewis Rosenberg of Unanimous AI, thank you for listening to the Ify Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with AI, they will come. <laughs> The If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data. And at Mountaintop Data, we're all about data for B2B marketing. Our goal is to improve the quality, depth, and coverage of our clients' targeted marketing data while removing the technical pain of accessing and implementing data. We help with everything from new target contacts to appending and cleaning existing data, all with the goal to free you and your team up to focus on creating great marketing experiences. Check us out online at mountaintopdata.com and sign up for our new top data search tool, and get free access to search our database of over 30 million business contacts. Use the code hashtag IYM when signing up and get 200 free credits. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.